Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Love Rules. Our message today is called Take Heart, and our text is from the Gospel of Matthew, the ninth chapter, the 18th through the 26th verses. Verse 18. A synagogue leader came and knelt before Jesus and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her, and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I can touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, Go away, the girl is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, Jesus went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through all that region. Think of all the people who must have approached Jesus in his brief but miraculous ministry on earth. Lepers and blind folks, the lame and the demonized, the poor and the hungry. In the three short years of his mission on earth, how many hundreds of people could he have healed or delivered with a word, a look, or a touch? Healing was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. These two stories introduce us to the synagogue leader whose daughter is already dead, and the woman who has suffered for 12 years from this blood disorder. The story indicates that both these people have tremendous faith, particularly the woman who just touches the hem of his garment. They both believe that Jesus is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. And he does. And we can see by reading this text that healing and deliverance from death are both connected to faith, that it is our faith in Jesus that leads to transformation that the impossible can happen when we trust Jesus. But just suppose you've read this scripture many times. You believe. You are a person of sincere faith. You come to church, you pray, you do everything the Word says, and yet the one thing you've prayed about most, the suffering that you've gone through for many years, has not changed. Or perhaps you prayed that someone in your family would recover from a disease and they died. Or maybe that situation that is dead in your circumstances, those relationships or, or that job or, or that kind of forward motion, maybe that situation is dead and has not been resurrected. How do we read these stories about miraculous healings when we experience death? When our faith is, is tested, when our prayers seem to go unanswered, isn't Jesus supposed to heal everybody? I have known people in my congregation who are going through painful situations where healing has not yet happened and reconciliation seems a long way away. People who have been hurt and had their hearts broken. There are plenty of people who go to church every week and attend Bible study and pray every day, and yet there are no discernible miracles in their lives. There's been no dramatic change. 
and they are worried that if this is a matter of having faith, then what's wrong with me? If you go to John 5th chapter 1 through 6, you'll read this. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who has been there, he's been an invalid, it says, for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he saw him lying there and learned he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get healed? And the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool. When the water is stirred, while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, walk. And at once this man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Well, if you look at this text closely, you'll, you'll see a couple of things. First, the man did not ask Jesus to be healed, yet Jesus healed him. And second, there were a number of people in need of healing who were around this pool. And Jesus healed only one. This story, to me, demonstrates that healing is not always tied to faith. Sometimes it's tied to grace. Secondly, I think Jesus was not out to heal as many people as he could. He healed a lot of people, but not everybody. Thirdly, and most importantly, these healings, according to John, were seen as miraculous signs. John, the sixth chapter, the second verse. That means that Jesus wanted to show people who he was He wanted to make people understand about his kingdom still to come. And that is the heart of my message. We live in the tension between the here and now and the kingdom that is yet to come. I call it being in that space between lightning and thunder. You know, we had this huge storm a week or so ago where the thunder was unbelievably strong and, and you could see the flash and you knew the thunder was coming and you would wait. And in the meantime... We know that the powers of darkness still have a grip on the world. That's why we have death and illness. That's why we have sin. But that's not God's intention, and that's not the way the story is going to end. I just came by to let you know there's a word this morning. The more I study the Bible, the more I realize how God does not waste one word. He promises us that his word will be like rain. It will, uh, it will accomplish the purpose for which he sent it. So if Jesus says you'll be healed, you'll be healed. If he says the dead will rise, then the dead will do just that. So if you're waiting and wondering, there are two words that I want you to pay attention to. It came right out of that first text I read when Jesus turned to that woman and said, take heart. He said, take heart. Now, if you look through the Bible, you'll see this phrase all along the way. When the people brought a paralyzed man lying on a stretcher, Jesus told him, take heart, your sins are forgiven. When the storm hit the lake and the disciples got worried, Jesus said, take heart, don't be afraid. When the blind man was shouting for mercy on the side of the road to Jericho, Jesus instructed his disciples, tell him to take heart, I hear him. When you are in need of healing, when you need the dead to be raised, when you need the miracle to happen, just remember before the impossible becomes possible, before lives are transformed, the first thing Jesus wants you to do is take heart. The Greek word for take heart, tharseti, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, T-H-A-R-S-E-I-T-E, has some nuanced meanings to be of good courage, of good cheer, to be confident, to be bold, 
to be consoled. All of that takes place in the heart. There is an action that must occur in the heart. Now, you know, the Bible talks a lot about the heart. It says all our issues from life, our actions, our words, our pursuits proceed from the heart. So when we talk about the outer and inner work that has to be done, everything starts in the heart. Our hearts reflect who we are, like water reflects a face. Good things come out of the good stored in the heart, and bad things come out of the bad in the heart. God is deeply concerned about the conditions of our hearts. And just as the human heart, that heart in your body is, is the core, the spiritual heart is the core of who we are in Jesus. So when we pray, we need to make sure that we take heart, that we are bold in our prayer, that we are courageous in our prayer. We need to understand it all begins in the heart. During this Lent season, as we reflect on growing in our relationship with Jesus, I want you to remember to take heart. You need to guard your heart, first of all. That means that you need to be clear about this faith that you profess. We always want to be clear because Jeremiah reminds us our heart is deceitful above all things, above all things. That's why that idea of falling in love doesn't make much sense because falling implies no control. We have to learn to love. We have to work on love. We need to take heart and guard our hearts. This guarding is not just about relationships. It's how we handle everything. Proverbs instructs believers to keep our mouth free of perversity, to keep corrupt talk far from our lips. Our thoughts dictate who we become. So there's, there's things that we must do in guarding our heart. And that is part of this notion of taking heart. Take heart. Be strong and courageous when you pray for healing, when you pray for miracles. Surrender your heart to God. Take heart. Your change is coming. Take heart. The miracle is on the way. Take heart. God has got you. I want to encourage you this day that your heart need not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. There is joy on the way. But you must take heart. Be strong and courageous and hold on. Your change is on the way. Be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, roxburypresbyterianchurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign.